are in a series called 50 Shades of Cray. 50 Shades of Cray. If you're new with us today, the, the theme or the thrust of this series is simply this. We all deal with crazy. You deal with crazy. I deal with crazy. And we're looking at the Word of God and seeing from a biblical perspective how to deal with crazy. You know, if you got to spend some time with me, you would find out that I was, uh, I have pretty decent people skills, pretty good people skills, uh, and I didn't even understand my personality type until I was, uh, you know, well into my adult years here. I didn't know it was a junior high or early adult years or, or in high school, my, my temperament, that I'm an introvert uh, that has some good people skills. And so I didn't realize this, and when we started the church, Day one of People's Church in the Quell Springs Small AMC Theater, there's a man that many of you know, he's on our staff now as our care pastor, Shelby Johnson. Uh, Shelby and Sharon showed up day one of People's Church, and Shelby and I hit it off. We developed a great, great friendship. He's been on staff now, I don't know, eight, nine years at People's Church. And, and when, I, when I saw Shelby and his personality and I saw my personality, I wanted to be like Shelby. Shelby is an extrovert of all extroverts. He just loves to be around people. He's around people all the time. He'll spend hours with people, and then when he's done, he goes to the next person. He's excited. He's charged up to be with people. And I, I mean, I, I love people. I, I like to be around people, but, I, you know, I, Shelby's all energized. I leave. I'm tired. I'm like, you know, and I get replenished by being by myself, by being alone. I love alone time. I love to be by myself and think and process, and, and I'm, I'm an introvert. And, and when we started People's Church and I saw a personality like Shelby and, and other extrovert pastors, I wanted to be like them. I literally thought something was wrong with me. I, w I began to pray. I began to fast. I began to ask God to change me. I didn't like how he made me. I didn't like that I wasn't an extrovert. I thought to be a great pastor, I have to be an extrovert like Shelby. And so I'm praying for God to change me. I think all of us would say that there are certain things about ourselves that, you know what, I wish it was a little different. I wish I, I could change that about myself. There are some times that our situation around us isn't crazy. Sometimes we think we're the crazy one. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm crazy. I've got some issues. I've got some things I want God to help me with. It was probably around six years or so ago. We were eating totally different in the Cooper house at that time. And Man, we would eat cinnamon rolls in the morning, especially Saturday morning, warm cinnamon rolls. And we'd eat bacon and eggs and fried potatoes and all kind of food and for breakfast in the morning, especially on Saturdays. On, on the other days, I would eat big bowls of cereal. I'd eat cinnamon toast crunch and Fruit Loops and Captain Crunch. Come on, somebody don't talk about a bowl like this. You know what I'm saying? Big old bowl, and I was throwing down, eating good ice cream after meals. And, and I was about 30 pounds heavier than I am right now. And so I was about 30 pounds heavier. And one day I walked into the office about six years ago or so, and Shelby Johnson, good old Shelby, sees me. And he says, Herbert, you're getting fat. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. You know, I'm like... What? I mean, I'm, I'm insecure. My, my pants size already had went up a, you know, waist size or two, trying to get fit in some clothes or get some neat duping jeans to fit into because I was bigger, you know, I'm trying to, a little plump here, plump there, you know, plump. And, and I'm like, man, and now Shelby's talking about me, and I'm already got insecurities, and I'm even more insecure. And I'm looking at myself. I'm like, I don't like myself. 
You know what I'm saying? You just feel like I'm crazy, and I think all of us would say there are things that I don't like about myself. Perhaps you say, you know, I wish I could change my nose or change my eyes or, 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 or change my, uh, my, 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 my lips or uh, change my hips. Or, you know, you just look and you say, I wish I could change some things about me. We start thinking negative thoughts about ourselves. We Dealing with low self-esteem. I feel like I'm crazy. I feel like I need to change. I don't like who I am. The world's not crazy. I feel like I am crazy. And I want to talk to you from a Bible story today where there was a man who no doubt dealt with insecurities, inferiority. There was a man that no doubt even probably wanted to change himself as you find out his story. And I want us to look at this crazy story. I've titled today's message, Left-Handed. Left-Handed. Let's look at this story in the book of Judges, chapter 3. I'm going to pick up reading in verse number 15. It says, And again the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer. Let me just pause for a moment. So in the book of Judges, where Israel would sin against God, and then they would get themselves into captivity, into bondage, by another nation because of their sin. And then God would raise up a deliverer. They called them judges in the book of Judges. He would raise up these deliverers, these judges, these leaders to go and fight against the enemy to set God's people free. And so that's what the Bible is describing here. And, so, and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man. Notice how the Bible points that out. A left-handed man, the son of Gera, the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud had made a double-edged sword about a cubit long, which he strapped to his right thigh. Notice that his right thigh under his clothing. I mean, just listen, listen to this Bible story. Just a crazy, interesting Bible story. Verse 17, he presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. After Ehud had presented the tribute, he sent on their way those who had carried it. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your majesty, I have a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, Leave us. And they all left. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his palace and said, I have a message from God for you. As the king rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, notice that again, with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh and plunged it into the king's belly. Even the handle sank in after the blade and his bowels discharged. Ehud did not pull the sword out and the fat closed in over it. Then Ehud went out to the porch. He shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. I want to talk to you for the next few moments from this story and share with you three lessons from Ehud's left hand. Three lessons from Ehud's left hand. Number one is this. Number one is this. God wants us to embrace our uniqueness. He wants us to embrace our uniqueness. You see, being left-handed was very Unique in that culture, and even today, being left-handed is, is rather unique. Approximately 10% of the population is left-handed even today, about 10%. Across all of our locations, even those joining us online, all the left-handed people, throw up your left hand in the air right now, all the left-handed people. Yeah, all 19 of you. Yes, yes, good to yes, all 19. Left-handed, it's just left-handed, and he was left-handed. 
handed. And, and, and what's interesting is Ehud was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Benjamite. And Benjamite, literally the, the name Benjamin, Benjamite means son of the right hand. Son of the right hand. So Ehud is a part of a tribe that is known, that is called Benjamin, Benjamin, Benjamite, son of the right hand, and he is left-handed. Crazy. Crazy. You see, he was unique. He was different. And friends, we're all unique in our own way. We have to embrace our uniqueness. You're unique. I'm unique. And we have to embrace our uniqueness. Come on, everybody, everybody, just look at your neighbor, look at your neighbor and just say, you're unique. Come on, tell them, you're unique, you're unique. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, you're unique. I didn't say weird, I didn't say weird. <laughs> unique. You're unique. Did you realize this? Did you realize there are more than three million differences between your DNA and anyone else's in the world, including your parents and siblings? You're unique. Did you realize there are nearly 20,000 genes that regulate every person's DNA? Up to 5,000 of these genes are regulated differently in each person. There are 8,324,608 possible combinations of 23 chromosomal pairs that, that make up each person. The number there is, when you think about the possible combinations is four to the three billionth power. Four to the three billionth power. When you type that into a calculator, the answer come, comes back to infinity because the number is too high. So the possible genetic combination is four to the three billionth power. And by comparison, there are only 7.1 billion people in the world today. You are unique. You're very Unique. There is no one else like you on the planet. The psalmist knew what he was talking about when he wrote in Psalms 139 and verse 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's nobody else like me in my genetic makeup, not even my closest relatives. There, 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 there are three million differences between our DNA. There's nobody else like me. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And God made Ehud left-handed. And then he chose a left-handed man to rescue his people. And Ehud had to embrace his uniqueness and allow God to use him in spite of his uniqueness. And people, church, we need to do the same. God has made us unique. God has created us uniquely to accomplish the unique purpose that he has for us. You see, nobody else was, was called to move to Oklahoma City in 2001 and to start a church at the age of 26 in Quail Springs Mall in the AMC movie theater called People's Church on May the 12th, 2002. God gave me that unique assignment to minister to a unique group of people because, listen, God has created us all uniquely and given us a unique assignment to touch a unique group of people. 
Some of you, it's to build houses, to impact a unique group of people. Some of you, God has called and created you to work with computers to impact a certain group of people. God has called some of you to be educators or in the medical field or a CEO or in the business field or in the oil and gas field or, or musician or insurance or technology who has created you to be a lawyer or a doctor or a scientist. And by God's design, we are all created differently to accomplish His his unique purpose to a unique specific group of people and although we're unique we're all unique we're all created in the image of God four to the three billionth power but we're all created in the image of God the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 God created I could preach right there a long time two words God created mankind in his own image. Now, I know some of you want to believe, and that's all right. You want to believe you created in the image of a monkey. I don't believe that. I believe we're created in the image of God Almighty. God, we're, we're in the image. Four to the three billionth power. Now, some people might look like a monkey, but by the design of God, by the design of God, God did that. God created Mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, all the DNA, all the different genetic makeups. He created them, male and female. He created them. Some of you need to hear this today. God created you, and God does not make mistakes. People may talk about you. People may tell you that you're worthless and that you're junk and that you're trash. People may say, you're just weird. You're just way too different. You're just a mistake. But listen, God created you in his image. Embrace your uniqueness. There's nobody else created like you. You're in the image of God Almighty. Embrace your unique. I have Learn to embrace my uniqueness, all my quirks, all my hang-ups, all my issues, all my introvertedness, all my insecurities. I've learned to embrace my uniqueness. I don't want to be Shelby Johnson anymore. I want to be the best Herbert Cooper that I can be for Jesus Christ. I'm going to embrace my uniqueness. And you need to embrace your uniqueness. God created you. He wired you. He knitted you together in your mother's womb for the specific purpose. You are unique and created in the image of God. Quit trying to be everybody else to be who God has called you to be. Embrace. Your uniqueness. Number two is this. There's a second lesson from Ehud's left hand, and that is God qualifies the unqualified. He qualifies the unqualified. You see, the tribe of Benjamin was the smallest of all the tribes of Israel. That alone was a reason for many to disqualify Ehud from being a leader in Israel because he was from the tribe of Benjamin. I want you to hear what Saul says about being from the tribe of Benjamin when he was selected to be king. And this is before he was the king of Israel. Here's what he says in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 21. Saul answered, but am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? He says, listen, I'm unqualified. I can't be a 
a king. I'm insignificant. I'm from the smallest tribe of Israel. And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? See, understand that Ehud was from the smallest tribe in Israel. And then on top of that, the tribe's name means son of the right hand. And he's left-handed. This is what you call unqualified times two. I mean, the odds are stacked against him. And being left-handed in that society meant that he was weak. It meant that he was disadvantaged. It meant that he was unqualified. You see, people would have never chosen him to be a deliverer for the nation of Israel and to defeat the enemies that they were facing. Natural human beings in their right mind would not have picked him because he was left-handed. They would have chosen someone who was right-handed. You see, being right-handed in that culture was a sign of strength, was a sign of power. It was a sign of being qualified. When you read the Bible, it's really interesting. You clearly see how being right-handed was a sign of power and strength. Let me just share some scriptures with you here. Exodus chapter 15, verse 6. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. How will he do this? Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 17, verse 7, show me the wonders of your great love. You have, you who save by your right hand, those who take refuge in you from their foes. You see, right hand, the right arm, the right hand was a sign of power, was a sign of strength. Psalms chapter 44, verse 3, it was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm. And the light of your face, for you love them. Psalms chapter 110, verse number 1. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Luke chapter 22, verse number 69. But now, but from now on, son of, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand. Notice this. The right hand of the power of God. It's not a power. Sign of strength. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And although the right hand is a sign of power and strength, although the tribe of Benjamin means son of the right hand, God chooses a man that many would have disqualified. God chooses a left handed man. When God chose Ehud, I can just imagine what was going through his mind. Hello, God. You got the wrong one. It's not me. You don't want me to be. I'm left-handed, God. The soldiers are training right-handed. Matter of fact, God, if I'm being honest with you, you know, I don't even like the way that I'm made because, you know, I'm kind of looked down upon in the society and even us left-handed people, they're trying to make us be right-handed. So I'm trying to practice writing right-handed. I'm trying to be right-handed. I'm trying to train right-handed because right-handedness is what is looked upon in a favorable way in our society. I can just hear and see his thoughts. He's insecure, looking at himself. God, how in the world can you use me? Why would you choose me? I am unqualified. And friends... 
we can all have reasons why we feel unqualified. You have reasons. I have reasons. God, I'm unqualified. You can't use me. You give reasons like, well, I'm single. Well, I'm married. I have children. I'm a single parent. God, you can't use me. I'm unqualified. I'm divorced. I'm, I'm new to church. I'm a new Christian. You can't use me. I'm God, look at my family. I come from a screwed up family. Look at my genealogy. I'm disqualified. God, look at the physical ailment that I have. You can't use me. God, I'm too old. My best days are behind me. I'm too young. I don't have enough experience. I, look at my skin color. I'm the wrong skin color. I've, I've been abused. I didn't finish my education. I've lost my job. People don't like me. I don't fit in. We can all give reasons why we feel so disqualified, but God qualifies the unqualified. The scripture says this in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9, but you... If you're a Christ follower, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, this is for you. But you are a chosen people. God's chosen you. He's, he, he's chosen you with, in spite of all the mess, in spite of all the insecurities, and in spite of all the things that you feel disqualify you. But you are cho a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood because of Jesus Christ. You're a royal priesthood. You're from a, a, a bloodline of Jesus Christ and you're royalty. Somebody just put your chest out now. Hey, hey now, I'm royalty. A holy nation. You're, you're, you're a holy nation. I don't care what you did, what you've been through. I don't care what you did last month. You're a holy nation when you're in Christ. He goes on to say, you're God's special possession. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you're special. You're special. Come on, it, it, the right kind of special, you know what I'm saying. You're special. Notice what the scripture says. You're God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Whether you're left-handed or right-handed, you're chosen by God. In spite of all of your issues, you're chosen by God. In spite of the mess you may find yourself in, you're chosen by God. In spite of all of your insecurities, you're chosen by God. In spite of the things you don't like about yourself, you're chosen by God. God, you're a royal priesthood. You're God's special possession. Stop tearing yourself down. Stop talking bad about yourself. Stop believing the lies of other people, them telling you that you are nobody, you're never going to amount to nothing, look at you, you're no good. Quit believing the lies of people. You're chosen by God Almighty. You're created in the image of God. It doesn't matter the situation or circumstance you find yourself in. You're chosen by God. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're special in your heavenly Father's sight. You are a prized possession in God. You are made uniquely. By the power of God. There's a third lesson I want us to learn from Ehud's left hand. Number three is this. God displays his power in our weakness. You see, Ehud's left-handedness. His weakness was the very thing God used to deliver his people from bondage. His weakness. You see, when Ehud showed up at the king's palace... They would have checked him because you can't get in from the presence of the king without being checked for a weapon. And so they would have went to Ehud and they would have checked his left 
leg because soldiers were trained and they carried their weapon on the left leg and they would have grabbed the weapon out and they're ready for battle. And so they, they checked Ehud's left leg and there was no weapon. So they led him in the presence of the king. His weakness, his weakness, his weakness, his weakness, his weakness. He gets in the front of the presence of the king. They, scripture says they have a tribute for him, give him a gift. He leaves with the other, some other Israelites. He leaves and then gets near Gilgal, the scripture says, and he turns back around and he says, hey, I, gotta, I need to talk to the king again. And he gets in front of the king and he says, king, I have a special message from you. He dismisses everyone out of his presence except for Ehud because now he trusts him. He has rapport with him. He just gave me a gift. And as he releases everybody out, and the reason that he doesn't call for the soldiers to come in when Ehud reaches down towards his leg is because he knows nobody would send a left-handed man to fight against me. Nobody would send a left-handed man to do battle. I mean, everybody knows that the right hand is power. And so as Ehud reaches down to his leg with his left hand, Eglon doesn't think anything about it. His left hand, I mean, oh my, he, no, this, this, this must be power. You must be going to give me a piece of jewelry or something. And he pulls out the knife and it's too late and he stabs him in his stomach and Israel is set free because God showed up. And use the man who was left-handed. You see, what the world sees as a weakness, God sees as an opportunity to display his power. And God used a left-handed man, weakness, to display his strength. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9. He says, but he said to me, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. You see, there were scholars who believed that Paul was losing his eyesight. And he says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. I will boast about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Isaiah says in Isaiah 40 and verse 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. I like what Paul says to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. I want to minister this to your heart. I want to minister this to your heart. Open your heart up. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. He says this in verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Come on, will somebody go down memory lane with me? When he called you, when he saved you. Think of what you were. Broke, busted, and disgusted. tore down from the floor down. Come on, think of what you were. Think how he pulled you out. When he called you, think where you were when he called you out. You were a mess. Think of where you were when he called. Come on, go down memory lane. Some of you got too sanctified. You can't remember where you come from. Think of what you were, he says, when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. You weren't all that wise. You were weak. Not many of you were influential. You weren't some powerful person, some person of nobility. No, you weren't influential. You were weak. Not many of you were from noble birth. You didn't come from a, a king or a president or a princess. You weren't from noble. You are weak. Verse 27, but God chose the foolish thing. Come on, let's look at your name and say, he's talking about me right now. Yeah, 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 
God chose the foolish things. A little boy from Wewoka, Oklahoma. The foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. Despised. Think about my story. I go down memory lane. I think about God calling a boy who was addicted, trapped, had been abused, a home of divorce, low self-esteem, insecure. The despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Why, verse 29, so that no one may boast before him. Oh, that's my testimony. I can't boast. Come on, you can't boast. I can't take no credit. When he called me, I was nothing. Verse 30, verse 30, verse 30, verse 30. It is because of him. Oh, let's just stop right there. It is because of him. I was at my lowest point, but it was because of him. I didn't think I was going to make it, but it was because of him. I thought I was going to lose my mind, but it was because of him. I didn't even know who my daddy was, but it was because of him. Some would say, I got siblings I don't even know. But it was because of him. I was struck out on drugs. But it was because of him. It was because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. It was because of him. It was because of him. It was because of him that he displays his power in weakness. It was because of him that he showed up in my insufficiencies. It was because of him that he showed up with my quirks and my frailties. It was because it was because of him. And Ehud's weakness became the very source of God's power to deliver the nation of Israel. God displays his power in weaknesses. And we all have weaknesses. We all have issues. We all have pain. We all have hurt. We, all, we don't always like to admit it. We got issues. We got hangups. We got weaknesses. We got pain. And God loves to display his power in our weaknesses. Listen, people, this is for somebody. Listen, people's church, God will use your pain. Think about all your pain. He'll use your pain for his gain. Come on, he'll take your jacked up story. Anybody else got a jacked up story? He'll take your jacked up story and use it for his glory. He'll take your greatest test and turn it into a testimony. He'll take your mess and turn it into a message. He'll take your issue and bless you in spite of your issue. Come on, he'll take your tragedy and turn it into triumph. He'll take your liability and he'll display his ability. He'll take your shame and use it for his fame. He'll take your cross and use it and turn it into a crown. That's the kind of God we serve. 
He displays his power in our weaknesses. Come on, somebody give him your weakness. Somebody give him your pain. Somebody give him your tragedy. Somebody give him your issues. Somebody give him your hangups. Come on, give it to him. Give it to him. Give it to him. Give it to him. He flows best through our weaknesses. Embrace your weaknesses. God qualifies the unqualified. God displays his power in our weaknesses.